The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello and welcome into the first episode of the BGN Draft Show. I'm your host Shane Half. We're going to get you guys covered for everything you need to know for the 2023 NFL Draft. We're going to kick things off tonight with a full first round mock draft. A good way to put some names on some teams, talk about some players in a little bit of an abbreviated way uh, before we get into position breakdowns and other things as we get closer to the draft. So uh, I am joined tonight for this mock draft by Mark from the Tough Cover Radio Show. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. He is also my co-host on my podcast, Chalk Talk. Uh, Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Uh, I, I was talking to Dives yesterday. I've officially turned the page to draft season. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. This is the first mock we're doing where, you know, we've, we're controlling a whole bunch of teams. I'm sure we'll do a couple iterations of this. So uh, I'm excited to get it going. All right. Awesome. And I'm also joined by Dibes. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Done a lot of podcasting with Dibes over the years. He is a draft nut. He's got like 20 some videos out already. It's crazy. Uh, knows more about the draft than I do at this point, but I'm I'm trying real hard to catch up. So Dibes, how are you doing? tonight i'm doing well man thanks for having me on of course i'm excited uh this is christmas day i love mock drafts i do them all the time i've already done two of the last 48 hours on my show but uh, i'm ready to get started ready to get started man let's do this yeah i did and i forgot to mention dives from the party on broad podcast so you can check out uh, his work there as well and so we're gonna jump right into it guys we're gonna be controlling all 31 teams well, I guess it's all 31 picks. There's multiple teams with more than one pick in this draft. And so we divided them up. It's roughly going to be every third pick, uh, but we wanted to make sure that guys that had a pick for one team, if they picked again later, they'd have both. So I'm going to kick things off. I will be controlling the Chicago Bears at pick one, a pick that I obviously do not think that they're going to make. I think there's going to be smoke about them moving on from Justin Fields. They're not going to move on from Justin Fields. That's a safety net for Brian pools. If, if Justin Fields fails, he can throw his hands up and say, look, I built a great roster, but I didn't pick that quarterback. So I think they are heavily in the market to trade back. And I think there's, you know, several teams that could want to make that move in the top 10. You got Houston obviously needs a quarterback. Indianapolis needs one. Uh, The Raiders need one at number seven, the Panthers at number 10, even the Falcons at number eight, but I think it's always ideal to move back as little as possible. So uh, Mark, you control Houston. Does Houston have any interest in moving up to pick one for, I don't know, say pick 33 and a second next year? Houston's fine sticking it to. They like both of the quarterbacks. They've talked themselves into uh, to either way that number one's going to go. All right. In that case, they're probably going to call up the Colts and they're going to make a trade with the Colts, who I also control. So uh, I can make sure this trade goes through. But I think... You know, it's not important because we're not picking these other rounds. But what do you think? What do you guys think? The price to move up from four to one—that's probably a 2024 first and a 2023 second, something in that neighborhood. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna do pick four, pick 35, and a 2024 first uh, for the Bears uh, with the Colts. So the Colts are gonna move up to number one, and they are gonna select Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. Which the Colts need a quarterback. Frank Reich probably would like a mobile quarterback. 
or excuse me, not Frank Reich, Shane Steichen. I'm in a few years ago, but Shane Steichen would obviously love to have a mobile quarterback. It is notable, though, uh, Chris Ballard's quarterbacks in the time he's been GM. You've got Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. The smallest guy that they've had was 6'4", 220. And so Bryce Young is a huge outlier from that. Uh, For that reason, I'm not entirely sure the Colts would make the pick for Young. But I do think he's QB1 in this draft, so we're going to plug him in. And that will put the Texans on the clock at number two. And so, Mark, that is you. You are up. Yeah, so the Texans were hoping that the that the Colts would take Bryce Young, or that the Colts would take C.J. Stroud there, I should say. Uh, the Texans were hoping Bryce Young would fall to number two. But we're, we've talked ourselves in. Uh, we like C.J. Stroud. We were incredibly impressed by uh, his performance against Georgia. I, I've you know, now I'm talking as myself, not as the fake Texans GM, but I, I don't know if I've ever had a player change my evaluation as much as CJ Stroud did in that one game against Georgia. And I, sometimes that can be a bit of a, a bit of a fool's decision to, to go all in on one game, but it's not like I was out on Stroud before I had some serious questions and I feel like Stroud answered a lot of them, especially with the mobility he showed in that game. That is just something we have not seen enough from Stroud. So uh, Houston's at number two. Do I think Stroud's the best player on the board here? No. I, I think I have him ranked number six or number seven overall. But the Houston Texans GM, Nick Casario, uh, is going to get fired this year if he doesn't you know, at least win five-plus games and start to show some sign of improvement after firing two lame-duck head coaches. Well, they've got their guy now. They've got D'Amico Ryans. I know he's not an offensive guy. But you have to go ahead and lock down quarterback. So uh, the Houston Texans will take C.J. Stroud second overall here. And I know that dives in the Arizona Cardinals are. Uh... <laughs> Let's go. C.J. Stroud to Houston. Best possible board for Arizona who does not want a quarterback. And you see quarterbacks <laughs> one, two. So dives, why don't you tell me, is it going to be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter in Arizona? Arizona is doing backflips right now. Uh, Will Anderson Jr. lock it in to the Arizona Cardinals, arguably the best player in this draft. Uh, although I am a big Jalen Carter guy, I can't argue against Will Anderson's production. The guy is elite off the line of the scrimmage. He's a twitch athlete, can change directions on a whim, uh, explosive vertically, but uh, explosive laterally as well. Terrific blend of raw strength and bend, man. This guy's ceiling is absolutely outrageous. I cannot believe he fell down to the number three pick. His combination of speed, power, length, burst, football IQ. The guy checks off all the boxes. Will Anderson to Jonathan Gannon at number three. Ooh, I I almost even forgot about Jonathan Gannon being there now. Jonathan Gannon gets his pass rusher uh, that can hopefully cover up some of the coverage behind. So, uh, yeah, and so the Bears are up now, and you know, I put the question to you, which guy do you want? And the Bears are going to take the other one. You know, I've seen mocks with the Bears trading to seven, trading to nine. And I certainly think that the Raiders or the Panthers could put in, you know, a, a comparable trade package, a good trade package. But at the end of the day, I see two elite blue chip players in this draft in Jalen Carter and Bryce Young. And if I move past four, I, I'm not going to get one. And so I'm only really willing to trade down to four, and I'm going to land Jalen Carter, uh, interior defensive lineman, 6'3", 310 pounds. Uh, You know, doesn't have a lot of sacks as an interior defensive lineman, usually doesn't, but he was used in multiple alignments. He's all over the field uh, at Georgia. He's got excellent hands. He's powerful at the point of attack. He's twitchy. Uh, He's quick. Honestly, I I hate player comps. I say as I'm about to make one, but I, I see a lot of Fletcher Cox in Jalen Carter. And so Jalen Carter to the Bears, their defensive line was atrocious last year. Everything about their defense was atrocious. Jalen Carter will go a long ways towards fixing that. And so the Bears pick up a second round pick this year. They pick up a first round pick next year and they still get one of the top two guys in the draft in Carter. That brings up the Seattle Seahawks at five, which uh, Mark, that is you. So yes, what do you, Seattle, have the um, you know, I, I think Jalen Carter, most people do have ranked above the guy I'm about to take, but uh, I am an absolute 
Stan for Miles Murphy. And you, you'll see that if you follow my Twitter over the next two and a half months, because I'll be tweeting about him a lot. I'm um, 6'5, 275, three year producer at Clemson, 18 and a half sacks, six forced fumbles, 36 tackles for loss in three years. Didn't miss any games, didn't miss any time. The dude just turned 21. He was a five-star top seven prospect from his high school class. He was on the Bruce Feldman Freaks list, which is always a fun column to read, some of these athletic marvels. Uh, he bench presses 405 pounds, power cleans 335, and deadlifts 505. The dude is an absolute Mack truck. Uh, not to mention he's 6'5", 275, like I already said. like When you can do that type of stuff, when you have that type of frame, uh, I mean, to me, he combines all of that power, all that strength, all of that, all those traits that you want in a defensive end. He also has the highest motor of any defensive player in this class, in my opinion. Like you, That guy does not stop on tape, in my opinion. He gets his hands up. He's He's got five passes. Defense, being 6'5", helps, but he also seems to just have a knack for reading when a, when a quarterback's going to throw the ball. People think he needs to develop more pass rush moves and add to his repertoire. But what he's been doing has been pretty darn successful. Uh, and he's only 21. And he's, you know, like I said, he's got all the traits in the world that you can want. You can move him around the D-line. D you can move him inside. You can move him outside. I think Miles Murphy is an absolute stud. And he's a guy I'm praying uh, for the Eagles to get there at 10. But in this scenario, the Seattle Seahawks take him at five. And by the way, Seattle, this is by this is by far their biggest need. Uh, they, I think they're bottom five in pretty much every pressure rate sack rate stat that you want to look at if they were able to have uh you know a premier pass rusher last year that team probably would have been able to be taken a little bit more seriously and that could be what happens this year especially since they have another first round pick to address another need yeah yeah that's i know that you're a huge fan of miles murphy he's never going to make it to 10 when doing mock drafts with you yeah uh, the seahawks defense was atrocious and so they definitely need to address that i think that's a great pick and that brings up a team that could go a lot of ways in the Detroit Lions at six. So, Dibes, you got the uh, Lions. What are you thinking here? Speaking of atrocious defenses, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, you look at the need for the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I think, uh, the, the 1A of this position. It's arguably the best position in the draft, at least when it comes to depth. Uh, I'm going to go Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois to the Detroit Lions. Uh, the, the Lions defense was a consistent sore spot last season. Jeff Akuda is a solid corner, but they definitely need to add playmakers and ball hawks to that secondary. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, uh, what you need to know about that dude is he just has amazing closing speed. He's a great tackler. He's great in coverage. Uh, his A to B speed in this draft is elite. Uh, he's only six foot, 180 pounds. Uh, but uh, he's just incredible when it comes to stopping the run, uh, making plays behind the line of scrimmage. His tape is so much fun to watch if you haven't watched it already. Uh, Devin Witherspoon uh, is going to add a big-time playmaker to that uh, Detroit Lions defense. All right, Witherspoon, the first cornerback off the board. I know that's something that people are going to be watching. Uh, Witherspoon might not be a name you've heard a lot yet. Uh, he's definitely flying up draft boards, so... Uh, CB1 off the board to the Lions at six. That brings up the Las Vegas Raiders at seven. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Does anybody know who is on the depth chart for the Raiders at quarterback right now? I honestly, uh, I honestly don't know that. No. I know they released, they released Carr. <laughs> I don't Stidham? even know if they have. No, Stidham was a free agent. He's a free agent. Chase, yeah. Chase Garbers is the only quarterback under contract. And as much as I am a draft guy, I have never heard that name in my life. So. The Raiders are going to be really happy this draft fell the way it did. Uh, they're going to sprint to the podium, and they're going to take Will Levis out of Kentucky. Uh, Levis is kind of the ultimate bet-on-traits guy. I mean, he's got the NFL size. He's 6'3", 232 pounds, big arm talent. He's got all of the, the high ceiling, right, the upside, but he played at Kentucky, and he lost, I think it was Wondell Robinson last year and didn't really have much to work with this year, and his play kind of fell off. And so you're going to hope betting on the traits that you can get him on an NFL roster uh, with Devonte Adams, obviously a top receiver and you can get the most out of him. So uh, he's turnover prone. He's kind of, you know, again, the player comp thing, but the Josh Allen sort of type guy that he's coming out of college and there's a lot of question marks, but everybody can see the tools and the upside and somebody's going to bet on that. 
honestly, it'll probably be somebody higher than number seven. Uh, but in this draft, the Raiders are going to get Will Levis at seven. QB three comes off the board just ahead of two other teams that could probably use a quarterback. Uh, so we'll see what they do here. And that's going to bring up the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Mark, you've got Atlanta. What are you thinking here? So I've got Atlanta. Um, I'm just not as high on the non-Stroud young quarterbacks in this class. So I, I won't be mocking them very often. Um, uh, so th- that's not where I'm going to look here at number eight. What I am going to say is, are any of the Panthers, Eagles, or Titans GMs interested in moving up to eight here? Just out of curiosity. The Panthers will move up just one spot um, just just to play it safe. Uh, what, what, were, what would you do in exchange? What would you? I'll let you make the offer here, Dives. What are what are you looking to make uh, make up for moving up a pick? I'll throw you a future second rounder. Yeah, I'll take a I'll take a second next year. Let's do it. It's a pick. Okay, so the trade is uh, the Falcons give eight to the Panthers for nine and a 2024 second round pick. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, All Panthers right. are now on the clock. Panthers wanted to just make sure they lock in kind of. Uh, the last of the QB first round QBs, in my opinion, uh, and that is Anthony Richardson uh, out of Florida. I agree, Mark. I'm not as high on this guy, but <laughs> the this team is a team that likes to kind of roll the dice on some dicey quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, that experiment failed. The Baker Mayfield trade failed. You look at Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Cam Newton, PJ Walker, uh, the the. <laughs> The Carolina Panthers are going to try and roll the dice here with a guy in Anthony Richardson uh, who has a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks. He's arguably the biggest boomer bust pick in this entire draft, but his combination of arm talent, athleticism, speed, ball velocity is just insane, man. When this guy's in rhythm, he really does make smart throws. He can fit uh, the ball into tight windows. Uh, and you can't not talk about Anthony Richardson without mentioning his elite athleticism, man. He, he, it is something to watch, especially when he's in rhythm with that offense. I think this guy has Pro Bowl upside, but the guy's going to need at least a year or two to kind of get it together. I thought he should have stayed another year at Florida to continue developing, uh, but you cannot deny this guy's upside. I have him. He's a much better prospect than Malik Willis last year. Uh, Anthony Richardson to the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons back on the clock at nine. Uh, Mark, you bought yourself an extra pick for a guy you didn't want to begin with. So kudos on that. Uh, Now, what are you thinking here at number nine? Yeah, I'm taking the guy I would have taken at eight. I'm taking Tyree Wilson, um, defensive end from Texas Tech, 6'6", 275. High-level production uh, over the last two years at Texas Tech after transferring from Texas A&M. 14 sacks, 27 and a half tackles for loss in the last two years and 23 games. Top four pressure rate among all defenders in 2022. Quick first step while being able to bull rush you. That's a pretty scary combination if you're an offensive lineman having to deal with Tyree Wilson. He, he's got plays pushing offensive linemen into the ball carriers, which is always a crowd pleaser when you're watching tape at offensive linemen. That's always a fun one. A really, really good run defender might be the best part of his game. Um, he doesn't have quite the bend that some people are looking for, but you guys know me. I, I, I skew towards these 6'5 and up defensive ends and edge rushers, and that always inevitably is going to come at the expense of bend generally. So I'm generally willing to sacrifice bend for size, strength, speed, and a guy who can rush the passer in his own way while also defending the run. If you can stay out there for three downs, like you might not be the bendiest guy. You might not be a son Reddick, but you know, you've got your own way of getting to the of getting to the passer. Uh, but to be fair, the reason that I have Murphy over Wilson is because I do think he has a, a bit more bend while having a lot of the similar traits and production that Wilson has. But I mean, Tyree Wilson is my number five overall player in the class. Um, he's my number my number four uh, defensive lineman, I guess. So that should tell you where the strength of this class is. And we've got four edge rushers slash Jalen Carter going off the board in the top nine here. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate 
in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That makes my pick a little easier, I guess, because I was really debating uh, between at number 10 for the Eagles taking Tyree Wilson uh, or taking another guy. So I guess I'll go with the other guy, and the Eagles are going to select Bijan Robinson. I'm just kidding. Don't shut off the podcast. Don't throw things at us. (laughs) You tricked Um, me. Wow. So so the Eagles, uh, I I was debating between Tyree Wilson and Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon, and so – uh, Christian Gonzalez is going to be the pick here for the Eagles at 10, 6'2", 201 pound corner out of Oregon. It's 21 years old. He had 50 tackles, four interceptions and seven pass breakups this year. Uh, Gonzalez is a big, long corner. And honestly, he's got lockdown coverage skills. He's a freak athlete. Uh, he clocked 23.3 miles per hour in a game on GPS in 2021. Uh, I think he is a stud cornerback in the making. I go back and forth on if he's my CB1 or if uh, I'm losing. What's the name? Who's the guy we already drafted? I got to scroll up. Uh, Devin Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Yeah, I go back and forth between Witherspoon and Gonzalez, and I need to watch more tape on both. But I know I'm a big Christian Gonzalez guy, and so I'm pretty pleased for him to fall there at 10 to the Eagles. He can replace James Bradbury and be your CB2 uh, transition, hopefully to a CB1 down the road when Darius Slay leaves. All right, so just to recap our top 10 here, uh, we had the Colts trading up to number one to select Bryce Young. Number two, the Texans took C.J. Stroud. At three, the Cardinals took Will Anderson. At four, the Bears took Jalen Carter. Five, the Seahawks took Miles Murphy. Six, the Detroit Lions, Devin Witherspoon. At seven, the Raiders took Will Levis. At eight, the Panthers moved up one spot to grab Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. At nine, the Falcons took Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech. And at 10, the Philadelphia Eagles took cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. That brings up the Tennessee Titans at number 11. Dives, it's your show. Love the Christian Gonzalez pick. I remember gushing about that guy a few months ago, and a lot of Eagles fans on our channel was like, who? (laughs) And now he's like kind of cemented himself as either CB1, CB2, CB3 of this draft, depending on who you talk to. Uh, The Tennessee Titans are on the clock here. Uh, This one's a no-brainer. They also run up to the podium, just like the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, They they really need to find kind of that next successor for Taylor Lewan and getting arguably uh, the offensive tackle number one in this class Falling into a lap at number 13 isn't or 11 is a no, no brainer uh, for the Tennessee Titans. I'm talking about Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Uh, Paris Johnson is was a blue chip talent, a five star recruit uh, coming in. Uh, you look at this guy, man. Uh, he played right guard in 2021, played really, really well, transitioned to left tackle in 2022 and really did not look back. Uh, explosive prospect, long arms, elite power, uh, incredible flexibility, uh, just tenacious in just both run support and pass protection, man. Uh, he has just a great combination of size, strength, and athleticism, man. This guy is a, a pro, has Pro Bowl upside, uh, and I think he fits in really well there with the Tennessee Titans at number 11. First tackle, first offensive lineman off the board. Uh, now the Houston Texans are back on the clock. Uh, looking for somebody to pair with their quarterback of the future. Mark, what do you got for us? Yeah, Dodds took the decision out of my hands there. That was uh, one of the two players I was definitely looking at. He's also my offensive tackle, number one, so I'm happy to hear Dives uh, also has him at tackle, number one, because I definitely trust both of your opinions on offensive line evaluation more than my own. That's something that I always, I always kind of uh, defer to you two 
on that one. And I, I also have Paris Johnson one there. So I'm going to look to a different Ohio state player to pair with my Ohio state quarterback. And I'm going to wide receiver and I'm going to, I mean, every year in the class, I mean, we all have our guys and we all have our guys. We like more than consensus and the guys that we argue for. There's no question that my two guys in this year's class are one miles Murphy and two, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, who I absolutely love as a prospect. I have him as my number seven overall prospect, Um, six foot, 200 pounds. I'm just going to implore everybody, do not forget what this guy did in 2021. He had 95 catches for 1,606 yards with a 17 yards per catch, nine nine touchdowns. He had like a 347-yard game with three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against Utah, against a good defense. I think he'd be a no-doubt top 10 pick if he would have played in 2022. Some people are worried about him being a slot receiver. I don't think those people realize that he played with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave the year that he played at Ohio State. And by the way, he outperformed them both from the slot. He put up better numbers than Wilson or Olave did in the same offense. Uh, And they were both very good this year. And they both think, by the way, that Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best of the three. They repeated all, all to anyone who would hear that Jackson Smith and Jigba was by far the best receiver in that famous now receiver room. And I agree with them and the stats do too. I think he could potentially be an outside receiver. And just because he he wasn't asked to doesn't mean he can't. It means he was elite in the slot and had two outside receivers that are also elite next to him. He gets open at an insane rate. He's a wildly dangerous yak threat. He was a five-star prospect and a top five prospect overall in his class. Great against man, fine zones against zone coverage. Great tracking the ball down the field, especially for a six-foot guy. You wouldn't expect him to be able to go up and get it the way that he can. Nasty stiff arm. I mean, you give me all that. I don't care where you line up. You can line up, you know, 10 yards backwards. I, I don't care. Uh, he's been compared to Amon Ross St. Brown. He's been compared to Devontae Smith. I see some Tyler Lockett in there. But I think there's a good chance he's at least on that level that the, all three of those guys are in terms of being that, you know, top 15 level receiver. I remember last year you were already talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I wondered how far he was going to get down here. I didn't think he would get to the point I could take him. Uh, So Mark takes Jackson Smith and Jigba for the Texans. That puts me on the clock with the Jets who desperately need a quarterback. This team was a quarterback away from being in the playoffs last year and maybe winning some games. And Zach Wilson is just not it, unfortunately. And without a pretty big trade up. They're not going to be able to get their quarterback in this draft either. So maybe they make a move in free agency. Uh, I don't know what the jets are going to do at quarterback. It's a problem that they have to solve, but they also have other problems they need to solve. And one of those problems is on the offensive line where they need help at tackle. They need help at center. Uh, they could probably use some help at guard. And so I'm going to take offensive tackle slash, maybe not an offensive tackle, uh, Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Uh, he's 6'4", 315, which is a little undersized for being an offensive tackle in the NFL, but he took over at Northwestern for Rashawn Slater, who was 6'4", 304. He was even lighter than Skaronsky is. And honestly, he reminds me a lot of Rashawn Slater. Uh, teams thought Rashawn Slater might be an interior offensive lineman as well, and he's been fine for the Chargers out on the edge. So the Jets are going to take Skaronsky. Uh, maybe he is their right tackle taking over for Micaiah Becton, who can't ever stay healthy anyways. If it doesn't work out, you kick him inside and you've got a really good guard. But whatever they end up doing at quarterback, they're going to need help on the offensive line. And Skaronsky fits the bill perfectly. So Skaronsky at 13 to the Jets. And that puts Mark back on the clock with the New England Patriots at pick 14. And I'm going right back to the same position group that I was just in. So I apologize that I'm ransacking the receivers here, but I'm going to take a look at Jordan Addison uh, out of USC. And I think that he's the perfect addition to New England because New England's, they've had so many number two, number three receivers, but they haven't had a number one receiver. And I don't know that Jordan Addison is that. I mean, he's only six foot. There are, he's got some drops issues. There are some things to be concerned about with Jordan Addison. 
but you turn on the tape and you're like, man, this guy can do some things that I don't think there's been a player on the Patriots who can do those things in a very long time. Um, especially now, I think they're losing Jacoby Myers to free agency and all the word is that they don't intend on bringing him back. So I think Jordan Addison fills a much, probably their biggest need in, in my opinion. Three-year contributor. He had his best year at Pitt with Kenny Pickett in 2021. 100 catches for 1,600 yards and 17 touchdowns. He transferred to USC. Had a little bit of a disappointing season uh, statistically with Caleb Williams, 60 catches, 900 yards, eight touchdowns in 11 games. But if you watch the tape, I think that it's a little bit more impressive than the stats are. And I think Jordan Addison's a guy who pops off the tape. And if you're watching USC games in general this year, he was someone where you just go, whoa, that guy is just moving at a different speed and moving in a different way than a lot of these other guys. And he's a, a great route runner with a wide route tree. So um, I think Jordan Addison's the exact type of guy that the Patriots should be looking for at 14 continues his receiver run now it is up to dives with the green bay packers a lot of unknown in the future for the packers with aaron Rodgers and all the things going on we can only guess at what's going to happen and so uh, as we make these picks but dives you take it away here what do you think the packers are going to do at pick 15 yeah they have a lot of needs here but this is the first round we all best player available pound for pound the best guy available right now we are running to the podium and selecting Brian Branch safety uh, here. Uh, what, he's not the biggest guy. He's only six foot, 193 pounds, uh, but he plays bigger than his frame. You look at his two seasons with the Crimson Tide, man, 82 tackles, only missed a single tackle over that span per pro, per pro football focus. You look at the last three years, 23 pass breakups, two interceptions, 15 and a half tackles for loss, man. The thing to know about Brian Branch, other than his amazing performance in the college football playoff, uh, is his versatility. He can thrive at nickel. He can thrive at safety. Uh, I think his game is tailor-made to translate extremely well to the NFL level. Again, doesn't have ideal size, but he's outstanding in coverage. He's an outstanding tackler. Brian Branch to the Green Bay Packers, man, adding some youth uh, to that secondary in Green Bay. Um, that puts me on the clock with the Washington Commanders at pick 16, another team that could desperately use a quarterback. Although, uh, if you believe what they're saying, uh, they think Sam Howell's the guy. I don't, I don't know. We'll see how that shakes out. But another position that they could really use some help at, uh, they could use linebacker. Obviously, uh, Jamin Davis has just not panned out for being a first round pick. Uh, Cole Holcomb is set to become a free agent, but. There's really not good value on the board at linebacker at this point. Uh, there's not a quarterback that you can take. I don't really like the O-line value at this spot, but there is a guy that I do like that I think fits the need for them, uh, and that is Joey Porter Jr., uh, cornerback out of Penn State. Uh, I think Washington could use some upgrades at cornerback. Obviously, they got Kinder, Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice. It's not an awe-inspiring group. And you look at Joey Porter Jr., 6'2", 194 pounds. He, he's huge and he's long. Like I swear, like his finger, he, he can touch his toes without even leaning over. His arms are so long. And uh, he had 27 tackles, 11 pass breakups this year. He allowed 3.7 yards per passing attempt that targeted him, which was the fifth best in the nation. And he contested 76% of passes that were thrown his way, which was fourth in the nation. Like I said, he's got long, long arms. He's he's good at the catch point. He's really good at raking across the receiver's arms, trying to jostle the ball out. Uh, thought he's a good tackler. He's a little stiff in his transitions in coverage, but he's huge. And so that's kind of some of the you know cons of being such a big player. But overall, you'll take that for what he provides at the catch point. I think it's a huge need for Washington, who's invested so much in the trenches, but they've been unable to get the most out of it due to the abysmal play of their back seven. So Joey Porter Jr. to the commanders, and that puts the Pittsburgh Steelers up on the clock. Yeah, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are happy that the commanders didn't make the pick that uh, I thought they might. Um, but Joey Porter Jr. was actually also on the, you know, on the board for the Steelers there. I was definitely taking a look at him. Would have been funny to add Joey Porter's son uh, to the Steelers team. Joey Porter, obviously Steelers legend there. So uh, Joey Porter Jr. I've, I've seen that in mocks a lot, and it's a fun, it's a fun little 
nugget to throw in there in the mocks when you write the blurb in there. But uh, in terms of the need, offensive line is very clearly Pittsburgh's biggest need. Um, and with Broderick Jones still on the board, they're going to go ahead and run to the podium and take Broderick Jones, 6'4", 3'10", former five-star prospect, and a basketball star, just an absolute athlete. And he was great at, on the best team in the country this year for the national champions and did not allow many pressures whatsoever. But the best part of his game is that he's an elite, elite run blocker. And this is that's exactly what Pittsburgh wants to do. Mike Tomlin wants to run the ball, um, maybe to his detriment sometimes. And I think that getting Project Jones and a tackle in there who's special at run blocking, I think that's exactly what Pittsburgh wants to do. And I think he fits their scheme perfectly. Uh, that puts the Detroit Lions on the clock. That's you, Dives. What do you have for me? Defense, defense, defense. We went uh, Devin Witherspoon, CB1 there uh, in the, the top of the draft. We're going to continue that defensive train here uh, with pick number 18. Uh, you look at the Lions defense ranked last in total defense. Only the Bears and Cardinals allow more points per game than the Detroit Lions. They rank 28th in DVOA for defense, man. Let's add more talent next to Aiden Hutchinson on that defensive line. I'm looking at Brian Brzee here, interior defensive lineman, man. Uh, amazing physical attributes, elite power, agility for his size, man. Uh, plays with leverage, really good power in his lower body. Does a really good job consistently managing double teams in the run game. I think he can fit in a 4-3. I could I think he can fit in a 3-4. Just explodes into the backfield, man. You, you see him consistently uh, just nabbing ball carriers down in uh, behind the line of scrimmage, man. Just outstanding lateral movement skills. He's a really good penetrator. Uh, so he's a little polarizing. People are kind of uh, in or out on Brian Brzee. But I think he's a top 20 pick. And I think he makes uh, a ton of sense here for the Detroit Lions at pick 18. And that's going to bring up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that needs, honestly, they need everything, right? Tom Brady's gone. The, the depth chart is looking mighty thin. Uh, honestly, you just want to grab a player that that you're pretty sure is going to be really good. And so uh, for me, that's going to be Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher out of Iowa. Fits a need for them. They could really use help about anywhere on the defensive line. I, I feel like anytime you're going to start a rebuild, you need to start in the trenches and that's where the Buccaneers are at. They're, they're at rebuild. They had their fun with Tom Brady. They want a ring for it. And now it's time to figure out what's next. And without the ability to go get a quarterback here uh, to really jumpstart that they're going to build through the trenches, take Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. All right. And that brings the Seahawks back on the clock. The Seahawks previously selected miles Murphy, the edge rusher out of Clemson at five. Mark, what do you have for us at 20 for the Seahawks? I'm very tempted uh, to take Brian Brzee from Clemson and just put two Clemson defensive line together he, again. He he went off. He's off the board. He went off at 18 here. Oh, I didn't, I, see, see, there it is. That's, that's me. That's me. Good thing. I wasn't going to take him anyway, but there goes that. <laughs> um, but I will say that there's still a player that I'm, this is another player that I'm a lot higher than consensus on. It seems like, and you know, it's weird for me to be a lot higher than consensus on an offensive guard. Um, but I'm I'm looking at Osiris Torrance here um, for Seattle at number 20. 6'5", 350, nice. played three seasons and started every game at ULL, then transferred to Florida with his coach, Billy Napier. First team All-American at right guard, quick and ferocious in the run game, moves to the second level really well when he's driven off his spot initially, shows the ability to regather and re-anchor. Uh, to me, Torrance is a near-perfect interior line prospect. The question, as always, is what is an interior offensive lineman worth and how much should you invest there? And is it worth the first round pick? In this case, it's one of Seattle's biggest needs. I think it's probably their second biggest need after an edge rusher, which we addressed with our first pick. So in this case, I think it is worth it. And I think in general, me and Shane have talked about this a lot on Chalk Talk, but we talked about it a lot with safety. Safety, you see in free agency that these safeties are getting paid more and more and more money Yet then when it comes draft time, it seems like the safeties get pushed down the board and they don't go as high as maybe they should as prospects because of the positional you know, value there. I think that you could probably make the same argument for offensive guard. I mean, you've seen teams like Kansas City go out and really put an emphasis on fixing their interior line with Humphrey and Smith in the draft. And then I think they signed. I, th I think was it Tooney at, at guard. They signed it in free agency as well. Um, but there's, I think that you're seeing in free agency, offensive guards are getting paid 
But then in the draft, they're getting pushed down. And I mean, you see it with a guy like Landon Dickerson, who obviously he was pushed down due to due to injury more than due to position. But I think he's been one of the best picks of recent memory for the Eagles in the second round. And he was obviously a first round talent. I kind of feel the same here about Torrance. I think he's very clearly a very safe prospect and a first-round talent here. I don't know if he'll go in the first round, though, because he's a guard. I think he will go in the first round. You saw guys like Elijah Vera Tucker go higher than uh, people anticipated. I think that'd be a great pick for Seattle. They sort of got their bookend tackles both in the same draft last year, which is just insane. So uh, continuing to build through the trenches again is sort of the theme here. Hey, it's a Philly podcast. We talk about the trenches a lot. So. Uh, now we skip past what would have been the Dolphins pick because they cheated and we're going to move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Dibes, you are up on the clock here. Uh, where are you headed? I'm excited for this one because uh, this is one of my guys. Uh, so I- I'm really happy he's still on the board here. Uh, I was go- it-, it was definitely going to be one position. It-, it really, at the end of the day, is about keeping Justin Herbert happy and adding speed uh, and a playmaker to that offense. And the guy I'm circling, he's not underrated anymore. The guy has been climbing draft boards through this process, and that is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Uh, Zay Flowers, you know, he, he's got some size concerns, five foot 10, 172 pounds. But talk about one of the most incredibly explosive athletes in this draft, super agile, big-time dynamic talent, can thrive both inside and outside, will most likely be uh, heavily in the slot. Uh, moving forward, but does an amazing job creating separation up and down the route tree, man. Uh, I, I just, I get giddy just thinking about Justin Herbert and Zay Flowers, man. His ability to change directions at the drop of a hat, uh, get the ball to this guy in space, man. He is lightning in a bottle, man. Uh, so for me, Zay Flowers to the LA Charger. When you started talking about speed, I got really worried. Because I'm sitting here at 22 <laughs> with the Baltimore Ravens, and the yeah. Baltimore Ravens desperately, desperately need wide receiver help. And I wanted a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, I wanted a wide receiver, but I did not want uh, Zay Flowers. Not because I don't like Zay Flowers, but because I think he's more of a slot guy. And the Ravens yeah. use Mark Andrews in the slot so much already. They need a big bodied receiver outside. And so they're going to take Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU because only good things happen when you draft receivers from TCU in the twenties. So, um, but Quentin Johnson is not Jalen Rieger. He's huge. He's six, four two twelve. He's probably one of the bigger athletic freaks in the class. He's going to probably run a four, three at the combine. Um, he really broke out in 2022 at TCU, had over a thousand yards receiving, averaged almost 18 yards per reception. Uh, he's just an explosive playmaker, and that's something that the Ravens need. They need somebody besides Mark Andrews that they can throw the football to, and he has it all. He's got that rare combination of size, speed, quickness. Now, he struggles a little bit against like press coverages, he's not the most uh, he doesn't have the most sure hands and like contested catch opportunities, but that's fine. Like Lamar will take anything. Uh, the Ravens go get a receiver to keep Lamar happy. Uh, and it's Quentin Johnson out of TCU. And that is going to put the Minnesota Vikings up on the clock. And so Mark, uh, that's you talk to us about the Vikings and what they might need. Well, the first thing I'll ask is if there's any teams that are interested in moving up the board. No, nope. um, I think I'm good too. All right, then I'm going to reach a little bit because I think the Vikings need a corner, but there was a good amount of corners that I'd actually be fine taking here if I'm the Vikings. Um, but I'm going to take a look at this is really low on PFF, and this just kind of there. I tweeted out like a list of rankings on PFF that I think are some of the most ridiculous rankings I've seen PFF ever have on the mock draft simulator. Keely Ringo is, is top 25 on the ringer. Like I, Todd McShay had him going top 15 this week. I think Kuiper had him going like top 12 two weeks ago. There's no reason for Keely Ringo to be ranked 75th here. I get that he gets beat by some double moves every once in a while. I get that he's a little bit susceptible on deep balls. But when you're a 6'2 
beast with every trait you could want in the corner that absolutely attacked the run. He's a great tackler. He had the game-winning pick six in 2021. He's played against the best quarterbacks in the country. He's played against the best receivers in the country. And he's played at the highest level in the country at Georgia. And he's played on the best defense in the country for two years running. So I think Keely Ringo has shown me more than enough that he's the number four corner in this class. Keely Ringo, yeah, that I actually kind of forgot about him uh, as yeah. we were going along here. And not because he's a bad player, but out of sight, out of mind. And, and I'm not operating off of my own draft board yet. So, yeah, he's easy to forget about in some of these. And something that's interesting with him, and I, I've heard McShay and, and Big Cat, they were talking about it on a part of my take, um, that he might be uh, a safety. He, he With his size and his uh, ability to tackle and his ability to stop the run, he might end up playing safety. But I almost look at that as a positive. I think a lot of people will hear that and be like, oh, he's not a corner. Like, you know, he must be a safety to me. I look at it and say, he clearly can play corner. He might be better at safety. He might be someone you can bounce back and forth, depending on if you get an injury. And, you know, we saw this year, how important that can be when obviously Avante Maddox goes out from playing slot corner, you're able to shift Chauncey Gardner Johnson over from safety to slot corner because he's got that versatility. Obviously Ringo, a much different player than Chauncey Gardner Johnson, much probably like, six inches bigger or five inches bigger than Chauncey Gardner Johnson. But some of that similar positional versatility in terms of he play, you know, Chauncey can switch between slot and safety. Whereas I think Ringo could potentially switch between outside corner and safety. Uh, before I throw it to you for your pick dives at uh, 24, we've got Dante Hill asks on YouTube here. What's the difference in Hendon hooker and will Levis? Uh, One of dives- them was, Go ahead, Mark. One of them was good last year, and one of them wasn't. And then the <laughs> one that wasn't is going in the top ten, probably. Well, it starts with age. Uh, he, yeah. Hendon Hooker will be a 25-year-old rookie uh, coming in who's a developmental guy uh, starting from the jump. Uh, number number two, Hendon Hooker really struggles throwing on the run. Uh, he He's kind of in a gimmicky offense there for Tennessee. Uh, he only completed seven completions outside of the pocket last year. Uh, that is a big time struggle for him. Will Levis is all about upside, upside, upside. And yes, Will Levis struggled. He also had big time flashes. And I'm not arguing that like that he didn't struggle. But Will Levis, when it comes to throwing out of the pocket, uh, when it comes to arm strength, when it comes to decision making, I, I think he's checks off all the boxes compared to Hedden Hooker. I think uh, Hedden Hooker is definitely like a round two, round three guy. Uh, he's still recovering from injury there. Uh, but I, I like Hendon Hooker. I do. He, I, I think he's slightly underrated right now. He's also coming off an ACL injury, correct? Yeah. Right. yeah so you got 25 year old rookie coming off of an ACL injury, uh, inconsistent deep ball placement. So, I mean, I think those are some of the concerns. Will Levis has more uh, of the tools than Hooker. Hooker played in a really QB friendly offense. Uh, so I think that probably factors into it a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah, my my comment there about the comment was less about Hendon Hooker and more about Will Levis. <laughs> I, I'm not in on Will Levis. I thought that wasn't trying to say that I'm. I think Hooker's better. Obviously, coming off an ACL injury and on paper, Will Levis is the best quarterback in the world. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm gonna skate right by that comment and say appreciate you guys that are watching us here live. Those of you that are listening later, appreciate you all too. You can always uh, shoot us questions on Twitter and things. I'll I'll give all our tags here at the end for those of you listening later on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. But Dibes, you're up at 24 here with the Jaguars. Uh, Doug Peterson, what are you you giving Doug here for his playoff run next year? Yeah, the cornerback train just continues to roll here in the first round. Uh, The the two needs for Jacksonville, offensive line and uh, defensive back. And I'm going to take uh, I think one of the best defensive backs uh, in the group here. The guy I'm looking at is Cam Smith. Uh, the, he just has great tools, great measurables. Uh, I like Cam Smith a lot. Six foot one, 187 pounds, solid athlete, really good fluidity. Uh, he definitely projects to be a CB1 down the road. Uh, he's improved every single year during his time at South Carolina. Uh, he, he's really good at initiating contact. He rarely draws flags. Um, and he, he's a, a missile in, in run support. So a lot of physical gifts, a lot of mental toughness here uh, for Cam Smith. And I think Jacksonville continues to add youth to that secondary. Uh, that puts the Giants on the clock here. Uh, the Giants, 
they need a lot of things. We don't know what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. I would assume he's going to be on the roster next year. They could use some help on the interior offensive line. It's just not a position I think falls right here. They could use a cornerback, but they also need some weapons. Uh, Giants wide receivers last year had nine targets in the end zone. That was the lowest in the league per next-gen stats. They just did not. Obviously, there was injuries, all those sorts of things going along. But at the end of the year, they were really rolling out Daniel Bellinger, Richie James, and Isaiah Hodgins as their weapons for Daniel Jones. And so they desperately need some help there. Uh, And so with the wide receivers not falling the way that they would have probably preferred them to, they're going to go to tight end, uh, and they're going to take Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. Uh, Had 809 yards, nine touchdowns last year for Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, he's an easy guy to buy into, right? He's really good inline blocker. Maybe not the best receiving tight end in in the draft. There might be some guys that have a slight edge there. But when you're looking at a tight end, if you can't get in line and block, you're really just a big receiver. And that's not what we want. We want some versatility. He can can block. uh, He can help that run game for Saquon Barkley, for... Daniel Jones for the read option game, those sorts of things that they're going to try to do. And he's got really good contested catch abilities, really good at the, at the catch point. He's a mismatch over the middle of the field. Um, now, obviously sometimes tight ends, they don't come into the league and take the league by storm. So it's not the sexy pick. Uh, obviously tight ends, not maybe the most important position, but near the back end of the first round, I think it's the best weapon you can get at this point for the offense. And I would be really interested to see what Brian Dable could do with Michael Mayer. Yeah. Michael Mayer is one of my absolute favorite guys in the class. Let's not mention the fact that I'm a Notre Dame fan and I'm very biased, but um, I I will just say that I think he's one of the surest things in the class and a funny little comp here. He actually reminds me, a little bit of a cross between Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. Like, I, I think that there is parts of both of the guys that are in there. He blocks like Goddard. He, he's very just an elite blocker for a tight end as an inline blocker. And then he gets open and finds soft zones and gets first downs in a similar way to Zach Ertz. Uh, but he, he's also kind of a threat to run you over and get an angry run scepter from, from uh, Kyle Brandt. And good morning football, which Dallas Goddard did this season. So it is funny that the last two Eagles tight ends are the two people that I see a little bit of in Mayer, former five-star prospect. And you mentioned that he's great at the catch point. He led uh, all tight ends and contested catches at 17 last season. He's actually the pick I was about to make at 26 here with Dallas. <laughs> I guess either way, I'd be depressed. I, I'm going to be very depressed if Michael Mayer is a cowboy or a giant. I, I don't want to see... <laughs> Either of those, I was hoping maybe he'd last the 28 to Cincinnati. That'd be a, a perfect, perfect landing spot for him. Um, but New York makes a, a ton of sense. So for Dallas here at 26, um, I'm going to look and I'm going to take a, a corner because, man, when, wow. when they had some injuries, it really fell apart last year. Uh, after At the end of the year, their defense really took a dive after some injuries in the secondary. And I'm going to take a look at a guy that Dives drafted in a mock that we did last night. And a guy that I like a lot out of Mississippi State. I'm looking at Emmanuel Forbes, and he's just a ball hawk. He's got 14 picks in his three years at Mississippi State. He's a three-year contributor. Um, and that system has done really well at producing D-backs in, into the NFL. So um, I'm very high on Emmanuel Forbes. He's one of these guys that as the draft, you know, as I'm looking more and more into it, I think he's a guy who – you know, I started with him as a fringe top 40 guy. Then he made it into a, getting a first round grade. Now he's in my top 20. I think there's a chance that Emmanuel Flores ends up in my top like 15 by, by the end of this draft wow. process. And the more I watch this guy, the more I really, really like him. And I mentioned that Ringo was my CB4 earlier on. But man, you just base it on tape. Forbes tape is a lot better than Ringo's. Forbes tape is better than is more impressive and, you know, jumps off the page more. Ringo's got the traits on him a little bit in the size and some of the uh, ability there, but you know, maybe a good combine performance from Forbes. And this is a guy that ends up in my top 15. Like I love watching this guy. I think he's got that dog in him. So that puts the Buffalo bills on the clock at 27. I really wish I was drafting for the bills at this point. Cause I've got a slam dunk pick if I was on, but I'm not on the clock dives. You're on the clock here for the bills. Tell me what you're thinking. Yeah. This one is a no brainer, no brainer. A no-brainer. I think the the interior offensive line for the Buffalo Bills really let them down through times in 2022. 
uh, that's a definitely an area that needs a major, major upgrade in a big, big way. And luckily, uh, my interior offensive lineman number two in this class is still there, and that's John Michael Schmitz. Uh, the dude is massive. Uh, you look at this guy. He was one of my winners of the Senior Bowl. Uh, John Michael Schmidt, six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, has not allowed a single sack in his career at Minnesota. Uh, just fourteen hurries and five plus seasons there. Uh, just a phenomenal prospect. He's not really a lead in any area. Uh, he's just an all around balanced uh, center prospect. Uh, versatility was the the major question mark. Uh, for this guy coming into the Senior Bowl, he practiced at all three interior lineman spots uh, at the Senior Bowl and absolutely dominated every single practice. Uh, John Michael Schmitz uh, is a terrific prospect, uh, and I think he could play anywhere on that interior for the Buffalo Bills for the foreseeable future. Bills going interior offensive line. That puts the Cincinnati Bengals up on the clock. And again, there's a few different places that the Bengals could go here. Um, Obviously, they would love to upgrade the offensive tackle. At the same time, it's like, does that even matter? Joe Burrow's kind of proven that he's so good at getting the ball out and and some of those things. Um, they could look at safety uh, because, you know, Jesse Bates played on the franchise tag this season. It's expected he's going to probably walk in free agency. If he doesn't, it's probably because Von Bell is gone. But I don't really love where safety leaves us at this point. Uh, they could use... Uh, maybe defensive line and edge rusher. They could use tight end. Uh, I already shot my one. I already shot my tight end bullet. I'm trying to decide if I want to be the guy that drafts another tight end in the first round here. Uh, I'll I just, think I'm go- I'll, I'll chime go in to help you decide your decision. If you're, if you're thinking about going away from safety, is there a chance they move Daxton Hill back to safety? Maybe. I mean, so Daxton Hill was drafted sort of a star type of player, right? I mean, he played safety, he played nickel, he kind of settled into the nickel for them. So Mm -hmm. that could make sense, um, which is where it could make sense also to draft another cornerback if they're going to do that. And so I think there's a lot of things. It's an interesting board for the Bengals. Uh, For me, it comes down to cornerback or it comes down to tight end. Uh, I'm going to stick here at cornerback and I'm going to take Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Uh, he's not uh, he's not necessarily like a nickel corner. He's 6'1", 200 pounds. I guess you could put him in the slot. He's got some injury concerns coming out of college, but I think he's got good size. He's got good length. He's probably he's going to be a fine athlete. Uh, he can get up and press and be physical at the line of scrimmage. And so um, taking a guy that help out the back end of your defense, you know, Eli Apple is still a starter for this team. Regardless of what you do at safety, you would love to upgrade that. So, I, I really kicked her. This one was hard. I, I really wanted to take a tight end here, but they've got so many weapons on offense already. I th- really feel like they need to address the defense. So we're going to go Deontay Banks uh, here at pick 28. And that brings up the New Orleans Saints at pick 29 with a pick that they will surely trade to the Eagles before the draft. Uh, but <laughs> we won't do that here. Mark, you've got the Saints. What's on your mind? I'm going to go ahead and take one of my favorite players in the draft. Or, and by the way, I, I, I always I think I get questions about that on Twitter sometimes when I say that. When I say favorite player of the draft, I'm not necessarily meaning like this is my third best player of the draft or my third favorite player. What I'm saying is compared to how most people view them, I am higher on them than consensus. And I find myself defending Jalen Hyatt in a lot of conversations on Twitter about him. And a lot of people are worried about Jalen Hyatt because – He hasn't played a lot against press coverage. Well, guess what? You shouldn't cover a cheetah right up against him. because So (laughs) that's why you don't play Jalen Hyatt in press coverage, because he'll burn you. So people are saying like, oh, can he beat press coverage? Have you watched the guy run? I think he can beat press coverage. Like that's not something that concerns me, to be quite honest. And people are saying like, oh, you know, I, I just don't understand why people get so tied into molds. And it's like we've seen so many receivers that are undersized and different profiles and builds now succeed at the NFL level. And people are, you know, comparing him to classic first round busts. This guy had 67 catches and 1,267 yards. <laughs> he had 19 yards for catches. Like th- this guy was making big play after big play after big play, led the, the country in 20 plus yard plays. And, and you go, you go on and you turn on the film, especially from the month of October when he was beating Alabama and he played LSU and they were 
Tennessee was putting up 50 points with Hendon Hooker, the guy we were talking about earlier. But it was because of Jalen Hyatt more than it was because of Hendon Hooker. That guy's got special video game speed. And you go ahead and you put him next to uh, you put him next to Chris Olave. That's a really interesting wide receiver combo. Uh, now you just have to figure out what the heck you're going to do at quarterback if you're the Saints. But uh, apparently Derek Carr went there, sniffed around, and said, "This this doesn't smell good. I don't want to play quarterback here." So uh, I don't know who's going to play quarterback. I don't know if it'll be Jameis. But if it is Jameis, then Jalen Hyatt would be the perfect guy to throw deep to if you're Jameis Winston. Jalen Hyatt off the board here to the Saints. We've got another question coming in. Would you hate a trade for Philadelphia from 10 to 29 for next year's first and additional picks? Uh, I mean, it'd depend on what the deal was, but it would have to be a lot more than just next year's first. Because um, yeah, you would be giving up a top 10 pick to move down to a conference champion pick. And although I'm sure that the Saints will not be a conference champion. Presumably, they won't be the 10th overall pick again. They've got to do something at quarterback. So uh, I I probably wouldn't want to move that far back personally. Agreed. It depends on who's there. Like if we're talking Miles Murphy's there, Tyree Wilson's there, Devin Witherspoon's there. No, I'm not, I'm not making that move. All right. That puts the Philadelphia Eagles back on the clock at number 30. Guys, I, I didn't think we were going to get here. Uh, because I really thought he was coming off the board at 27 to Buffalo, and he didn't. And I had a guy that I wanted to take here, but I can't. I can't take the guy I wanted to take with Bajon Robinson on the board. I mean, we're not letting <laughs> this guy fall out of the first round. We lose all cred- credibility as a mock drafting organization. And Bajon Robinson, man, can you imagine <laughs> him in this offense? Can you imagine an Eagles offense? with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith outside. And so you've got to take guys out of the box to cover that. And all of a sudden, you've got to account for Jalen Hurts. And Dallas Goddard's a good blocker. And oh, by the way, you could hand the ball off to Bijan Robinson, probably the best running back to come out in the draft since Saquon Barkley. And so the Eagles are going to take Bijan Robinson, uh, six foot, 220 pound running back out of Texas. He's 21 years old. He rushed for 1,580 yards last season, 6.1 yards per carry, 18 touchdowns. He also caught 19 passes. Um, He had a hundred plus yards in nine of Texas's final 10 games. He led the nation in missed tackles forced. Uh, He is, he's patient. He runs with vision. He's explosive. He's powerful. He can run you over. He's elusive. He can make you miss. He's a natural pass catcher. He's a good pass blocker. There's literally no holes in his game. And if he was not a running back, if this was 10 years ago, this guy would be a top 10, maybe a top five pick. He's that good. Uh, Positional value, all that. At 30th overall, you you sprint to the podium and you take Bajan Robinson. So uh, that's my pick. I can't wait to see what people think about that one. Can't complain. And that is going to take us to the final pick of the first round here. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. Dives, you're up. Do us all a favor and like pick a punter for them or something. Some Tanner small McKee. measure of revenge. <laughs> Tanner McKee. To, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, you look at kind of their needs. I know they list wide receiver. I'm just joking, Shane. That was sarcasm. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, wide receiver defensive line is not the need I'm looking at here. I'm looking at uh, best talent available. Uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think well, what's their bread and butter is protecting Patrick Mahomes over everything else, man. Uh, the, uh, Kansas City's offensive line had a terrific season in 2022. They held the Eagles uh, to, what, nothing? No sacks in the Super Bowl. You look at both starting offensive tackles for the Chiefs being unrestricted free agents. Uh, the guy I am looking at is Anton Harrison here uh, out of Oklahoma. Uh, get him uh, a six foot six, 309 pound offensive tackle. He has the feet of a smaller player. He, he looks like a power forward out there. Uh, he's only surrendered nine pressures on 447 pass blocking snaps in 2022. Just a, a true finesse player uh, who has a really great hand usage. Uh, I have a round one grade on him. Um, it just makes uh, a, a, a ton of sense for the Chiefs to kind of continue to build around Patrick Mahomes. And if you give that guy time, you're, you're going to win a lot of games. So there you have it. Uh, I'll run through the picks here real quickly. We will tweet this out later. But uh, at number one, the Indianapolis Colts took quarterback Bryce Young. 
Two, the Texans took quarterback C.J. Stroud. Three, the Cardinals took edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. At four, the Chicago Bears took defensive lineman Jalen Carter. At five, the Seattle Seahawks took edge rusher Miles Murphy. At six, the Detroit Lions took cornerback Devin Witherspoon. At seven, the Raiders took quarterback Will Levis. At eight, the Panthers took quarterback Anthony Richardson. At nine, the Falcons edge rusher Tyree Wilson. Ten, the Eagles cornerback Christian Gonzalez. Eleven, the Titans tackle Paris Johnson Jr. At twelve, the Texans took wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. At thirteen, the Jets took tackle Peter Skoronsky. At fourteen, the Patriots took wide receiver Jordan Addison. Fifteen, the Jet the J- Giants, not the Giants. The Packers took safety Brian Branch. At sixteen, the Washington f- not football team, the Commanders. I am struggling here, y'all. The Commanders took cornerback Joey Porter Jr. At seventeen. The Steelers tackle Broderick Jones. 18, the Lions defensive lineman Brian Brissy. At 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took edge rusher Lucas Van Ness. 20, the Seahawks took guard Osiris Torrance. 21, the Chargers took wide receiver Zay Flowers. Starting a wide receiver run here as the Ravens go at 22 to take Quentin Johnson. At 23, the Vikings took Keely Ringo. 24, the Jags cornerback Cam Smith. 25, the Giants tight end Michael Mayer. 26, the Cowboys cornerback Emmanuel Forbes. 27, the Bills uh, interior offensive lineman John Michael Schmitz. 28, the Bengals cornerback Deontay Banks. At 29, the Saints took wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. At 30, the Eagles landed running back Bijan Robinson. And at 31, the Chiefs took tackle Anton Harrison to close out the first round. All right, guys, we did it. Official first first full round mock draft. Uh, just a way to sort of intro you guys into draft coverage. We're going to be doing, like I said, top five position breakdowns. We'll do some Eagles seven round mock drafts. We'll be doing all kinds of you know combine coverage, risers and fallers, all of that sort of stuff. But wanted to kick it off with a baseline of a first round mark draft. Uh, first round mock draft so there you go we'll tweet this out you guys can let us know what you think uh it's always a fun exercise i know people will say that mock drafts are a waste of time whatever mock drafts are just playing out scenarios it's seeing how the board could fall it's an interesting way to talk about uh the players an interesting way to talk about the fits with teams and what team needs are so uh, that's why we do them that's why we chose to start it off this way uh so uh, before we get out of here before we get done uh I'll kick it to you first, Mark. Uh, you got any final thoughts? Any any draft takes you need to fire off? Any thoughts on this draft that we just did? No, I think I got them off. I, I spread my Jackson Smith and Jigba propaganda and my Jalen Hyatt <laughs> propaganda, my Miles Murphy propaganda. Um, I'll be spreading plenty more propaganda, I'm sure, and you can go check it out at Mark Henry Jr. underscore on Twitter and uh, hear it on the Tough Cover Radio Show every Saturday from 11 to 1 on Fox Sports The Game. Uh, Dibes, what about you? Any final thoughts? Any any takes you need to fire off about the draft? No, I'm still pretty much uh, locked in uh, with Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois, to the Philadelphia Eagles at number 10. Thanks, Dante. Uh, if you like the NFL draft, I cover it literally four to five videos a week, live, uh, um, not live videos covering top 10 positions, uh, things I think, uh, senior bowl winners, uh, under most underrated prospects. I've done five of those videos. Uh, so if you love the NFL draft, check out party on broad, check these guys out. Uh, Mark is at Mark Henry jr. Underscore on Twitter. Dives is at Mr. Crockpot. Check out their various shows, their various draft work. We'll have these guys around here. Uh, some more. I will be back again on Monday. Uh, next week, we'll be breaking down some more NFL draft stuff. Maybe get into some position rankings for you guys. So for those of you that watched live here on YouTube, different experience maybe with it being live streamed. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, it's always fun to be able to interact with our live viewers. For those of you listening later on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you guys as well. Uh, be sure that you are subscribed to BGN radio, the draft content. We're just getting started. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming your way. So keep it tuned to BGN radio uh, for all your draft coverage needs. Go. Birds.